0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about how the PTSD my daughter gave me helped me more clearly understand the PTSD she already had. So for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that I consider my daughter to be a hard kid a really, really hard kid. Now, I have other kids. I have three other kids, and they are also in their own ways. They have stuff. Everybody has stuff. I have stuff. There's not a single solitary perfect person on this planet, and you are definitely not finding a perfect person inside my home. But I can tell you that the difficulties that come with my other children are nothing. You could combine everyone else in my house and you still wouldn't have had the same amount of stuff that was coming from this one kid. Now, just for those of you who are worried, I love this kid. She is a light, a joy in just the same amount as she is incredibly difficult. Okay, maybe or at least close, at least some. There's light and joy there. (laughs) And she tries really hard. So I'm just going to throw that out. But when you have a three-year-old who is vindictive and manipulative and a toddler, people cannot wrap their heads around it people just automatically assume that children are innocent and that the adults are crazy right like i must be a munchausen by proxy mom right i'm i'm seeking attention and sympathy through my crazy stories of how crazy it is at my house well i can tell you That I would have sunk into the furthermost wall of the darkest cave in the world if it would have saved me from the massive amount of stress that I had and that I felt from raising a child like this. You can't look at a child with this type of mental damage and view it under a normal lens. It doesn't work. The behaviors that they offer are abnormal behaviors. Because most people would never assign the words vindictive to a toddler. (laughs) It's not something we do. It is bizarre. And so instead, you kind of look over at the parent and you're like, that's the vindictive one. Like she's the one that's supposed to be mature enough. But it takes a whole lot for a child to take apart the mental health of a grown up. It takes a lot. Anyway, most three, four and five year olds will tell you that they hate you. And most will do so with anger in their eyes and tons of dramatic flair. But I dare say that I think a number of three, four and five year olds, I think the number of them that will whisper to you in a calm, odd whisper, how much they hate you while they stare at you with emotionless eyes. And I just have like a slight smile on their face. I think that number is pretty low. Kids that young usually cannot dip into those intense feelings. They usually stick to the basic, I'm mad, sad, I'm frustrated, and I'm happy kind of categories, like the basic ones. They There's not usually enough complexity in their experiences to give them such a depth and complexity In their emotions. But even now, we will have instances of intentionally malicious behaviors. And I say even now because we have improved dramatically in the last year, year and a half. She's doing really well. But before this, and even sometimes now, she was unable to find calm in her life. So the entire day in the bad times, would be her putting every effort into making my day bad. And I've talked about this before. And she would admit it to me. Because she knew that she would also be bothering me if she said it. So she'd be like, I don't know why I do it. I just love making you mad. Like kinds of stuff like that. Like, And, and again, she's three. She's three years old. And she's just... <laughs> built her life around making me mad. So her screams now still get mad. I mean, still get loud when you try to talk to her. She still tries to get everyone around me to hate me when she's mad at me. So an example I have recently is that I wouldn't let her throw her food on the floor at a restaurant. So she was dipping her broccoli in ketchup and then throwing it under the table. So she started crying about how I call her ugly. (laughs) Okay, I don't call her ugly. She's not ugly. She's really cute. And honestly, it's one of those things where she's so cute that I'm like, your cuteness helps you a ton where I can just sit there with my earplugs in and be like, she's cute. She's screaming on the floor, but she's adorable. Like, But she sees the way that the people around us, because we're at like a really busy restaurant. There are probably 200, 300 people at this restaurant. And she is (laughs) in the hallway bawling about how, and it's by this wide door, so that we're by where you go into the tables, about how she's so ugly. Yes, I tell her she's ugly. Because she likes to see the reactions of the people around and she likes to know that those strangers hate me. That makes her really happy. So anyway, back to list. But my biggest trigger is when she starts reverting back to her old behaviors. So she makes these faces. I, I don't even know how to explain this to you, but she only does this when she's pretending not to understand what I'm saying and then she'll say i don't know what you mean i don't understand you i don't know what you're saying i don't know why you think i'd understand you you're saying it too much i don't understand and she doesn't talk like this unless there are people around but if there are people around she oh man she loves it i mean she will say i don't know i don't know and she'll do that and she'll make this particular face and she only makes this face when she's in what we call a mood um But she loves, again, doing this in front of all these other people. So this would hold more weight if we weren't talking about her not sliding underneath the table. So this is what I'm talking to her about at the restaurant is I'm saying, hey, I need you to sit on your chair. I need you not slide under the table. Because not only that, she has ketchup covered broccoli under the table. Like, I I don't want her down there. She's wearing this white dress. Oh, you guys, it was just, it was a whole storm of of really bad ideas (laughs) that came together in this time. So then she's like, I don't know what you mean. What are you trying to tell me? And I'm like, I'm telling you, don't lay on the floor. Like, that's all I'm telling you. Stay on your chair. Don't lay on the floor. Anyway, that's all I'm telling her. I need you to stay in your chair. I mean, maybe if we were talking about some sort of complex issue, I would believe, but when she does that, we, we rarely are. Anyway, so She when she reverts back to her older behaviors, I am triggered. I lose my mind. I get sweaty. I get panicky. I get obsessive about her behaviors. And by now I can see that some of these older behaviors that she pulls out are forced and they're artificial. And I can see her facial expressions are usually just for my own benefit and not for conveying an actual emotion. And I, one of the faces she does is she pulls her lips in a deep frown and opens her mouth. And then she pulls her lower lip over her bottom teeth and moves her jaw slowly up and down while she stares off at something that's just like right outside your eyeline. So, you know, when they're looking at you, but they're not really looking at you. <laughs> and she'll just, and she'll just do that. She'll just move her mouth really slow and make this weird little noise. So she thinks it's hilarious. And she busts up laughing so many times. There is no doubt in my mind that this is not 100% intentional behavior with no background cause. She does it because she knows that it bothers me. Those are those are the stupid behaviors that start to trigger me because she used to do those kinds of behaviors 500 times a day when she was in a bad spot. And I'm probably exaggerating that number. She probably literally did it 20, maybe 30 times a day. So I know I get a little caught in my exaggeration. So I'm trying to be really intentional about the way that I speak. But so when she starts doing that after a long period of time, it starts to make me panic because if any of you guys know the cycle of these kind of mental issues that come with reactive attachment disorder and disinhibited social engagement disorder kids is you can hit a good spot, but you are so aware that the shoe is going to drop any minute that you can't get out of that hyper aware panic mode, which causes your PTSD. So you are just sitting there waiting. And I, and that's, I think the difference between complex PTSD and PTSD is that, Complex PTSD is from a number of things, and PTSD is just from one incident. But regardless, well, there are more behaviors, but I am particularly susceptible to the artificial reactions, the false accusations, and the defiance that like ramps up into next level. So, all of which I would shove into the category of man- manipulative behavior because all of it is intentional. And trust me, When she is actually offended or sad, her feelings don't do any of these things that that I'm bringing up. She doesn't react in any of those ways. And I hate how much that I have to qualify my experiences. (laughs) I hate how much I have to say, no, you need to trust me. No, you need to believe me. No, no, trust me. Because I don't think most parents have to do that when they explain their kid's behavior. But when your child has these behaviors that are so off the wall and so confusing and they have proven themselves manipulative, you have to because people don't understand. Now, I do know that even with these explanations, people are not going to understand. And they're not going to be able to wrap their heads around it. They're going to connect it to their own situation, which, you know, like in the first example, I said, when your child says they hate you, or they want to kill you. And, you know, you have a regular three year old who's off the wall hyper and he's like, I'm going to kill you, you know, and you're like, oh, no, I hate that my child's like that. Like, like that's that's just a different level than like I gave the example of when they stare at you and they kind of smirk and they're like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to scoop your brain out with a spoon and I'm going to kill you. Like, (laughs) it's just different. (laughs) But back to losing my mind. So, I am so triggered by some of these reactions that I panic. And when that cycle starts again, I cannot seem to put myself together. So, over and over and over, the cycle keeps happening. You have a good day. It starts out only with a good day or like half of a good day. And then everything falls apart and then and then you get 2 days and then and then you get 3 days and then you get 4 days falls apart for like four weeks, six weeks, three months. And and so you start to freak out about the good times because you know the bad times are coming. So my body would start to panic and be like, oh no, here it comes. You need to stop this from happening. And sometimes you can stop it But sometimes you can't stop it. So my body will panic without any assistance from the outside world. I don't need any logic. I don't even need an actual event, just the threat of an event, just an inkling that the chance of her imploding is going to happen. I'm panicking. My heart is beating like crazy. I'm sweating. My blood pressure is probably really high and my anxiety goes through the roof you know because these freakouts have lasted months and even years sometimes that they're hard and they uproot the entirety of whatever is supposed to have been happening in life at the time so i get intense i hyperfixate on her behaviors because i have to stop anything from being that snowball that starts rolling, rolling down that snowy hill i go nuts there's no way that I don't look crazy to everyone around me because I'm like, don't touch that. Or I'm like, you know, you aren't allowed to put your face in that way. <laughs> because if you knew what the faces meant, you'd probably understand why I'm saying this, but nobody knows what the faces mean. So I'm like, don't put your face like that. <laughs> and I'm pan. I look insane. I probably really even am insane. Like, I feel insane. But what I've learned is that my daughter probably feels that way too and there's a good chance that whatever she has whenever she has the tiniest inkling of that feeling that reminds her of hard times then she flips into her i'm going to make her hate me before before it's her making the decision on her own you know before she switches into the i'm going to protect myself from pain by making the relationship bad by my decision you know she will flip into that at the slightest sign that it could go that direction. It doesn't have to go that direction. I mean, our our life has been chaos. It has gone multiple directions. But even just like the hint of her being crazy and flipping into one of her moods, she will react the same way at any kind of, of situation where I do that. So one of the things that recently happened to us is we were in an Uber and the Uber driver was talking about how he had adopted two drug addicted boys and they happen to have autism as well. So we are talking about the connection between that. And he said to me, are you the mom? But he'd been talking about his child's birth parents. So I said, no, I'm not the mom. And he's like, oh, you should have seen her face. You guys, I misunderstood what he was saying. I didn't mean to say it wrong. I was just trying to explain, oh, no, I adopted her. Like, I was so stupid. I wished so many times that I didn't, like, have it come out my mouth wrong. Well, this alone is a, oh, my gosh, to her. And she went into that space. And she stayed at a relatively mild space for about a week. And then she just nosedived. So we are right now about a week and two days in from her (sighs) nosedive. And it was because I had stated something and it was unintentional, but it caused a trigger in her and, and then she goes into that mode. So now I realize two things can be true at the same time she had PTSD, she has PTSD, and I have PTSD. So maybe there was a way I could tap into that and help her out. And in turn, also help me out too. So the first thing that occurred to me is that whenever we, mostly me, but really anybody, get mad at her, she automatically will switch into fight mode. So I started, after she would calm down a little, walking her through the problem. I would ask her, and she would never tell me the truth, especially when she's mad. So I would just guess. So I would say, you know, ever so classily, holy crap, just because we are mad at you doesn't mean we hate you. Like, this is where I kind of started. And I'm sorry, I wish I could offer you a more calm way, but when you are experience such a bombardment of behavior, sometimes you're not classy either. And sometimes I'm not classy. So I would say something like, you know, just because we are mad at you doesn't mean we hate you. And this was always followed by a very loud, yes, it does. So I didn't even ask her. I didn't, I didn't even ask her if this was the problem. I just, I just told her this because I assumed this was the problem. And Even if it wasn't, it's not bad information, right? Even though I'm mad at you, doesn't mean I hate you. Well, before we hit attachment, I would say, I don't care if you like me. You know, my job is to keep you safe and to raise you to become a functional adult. And I'm going to do that whether or not we like each other. I don't care. That's not my job. My job is to do those other things. But I will do my job for as long as I possibly can hold myself together. And I did this for two reasons. Number one, it reframed the situation of me parenting her as a benefit to her. Because a lot of these kids don't feel like parenting is a benefit to them being parented. So she wants a safe place. And she wants to be a functional adult. And I have also told her that if she can't be a functional adult, then she's gonna have to stay with me until she can. (laughs) And I don't think for most four year olds that that's like quite the encouragement for better behavior. <laughs> but, but that was really impactful for her. She was like, Oh, well, I don't want to stay with you. If I do better behavior, I'm not gonna have to stay with you. And so that really helped her to have better behavior. But number two, I didn't want to give any pressure of a relationship. Because she couldn't handle it. And after all the difficulties that, that we'd had, I was not in a place where I could promise a relationship with sincerity. She needed to be able to frame our relationship in a way that benefited her and didn't ask anything of her in regards to me. She couldn't. She was tapped out. She had nothing more to give. I couldn't ask that of her. But now that we have attached, I will say something like, do you love mom? Yes. Yes don't forget, you know, I think we have like borderline personality disorder here. So her relationships are life alteringly critical for her on her own terms. That's something that she does. She she likes, she wants to be loved. So I'll say then, have you ever been mad at me? Yes. Then you know, you can be mad at someone and still love them. And this was a reoccurring light bulb moment at least 100 times before it's stuck in her head. And once it did stick, I assume that she goes there in her head now without having to talk about it every time. Sometimes she'll even bring it up herself. She'll say, my mom gets mad at me, but she still loves me. Or she'll say something like, just because we are mad does not mean we hate each other. So she'll bring it up herself. She says it to her therapist. She says it to her doctor. She says it to her grandparents. And she says a lot. But to get to this point, it took hundreds of conversations, hundreds. But if you put in that time now, you are not going to have to put it in later. And if you put in that time now, you can help them put their minds in a more orderly way to help them to become a successful adult. That's really what we want, isn't it? And I think we would all be really surprised if we looked into ourselves and saw the way that we respond to things and then realized that that's happening inside those incredibly dysregulated bodies. If you're raising a child that gets as dysregulated as these kids do, You can't help yourself, but become dysregulated also. I'm sure there's an angel or two out there that can manage it. But most of us, uh, I was going to say neurotypical, because I imagine the angel people are somehow not neurotypical in the most amazing of ways. But a majority of us are going to be able to learn a lot about our children's reaction because of the damage that they did to us. And as stupid as that sounds when you say it out loud, I encourage each of you to look inside at the way you get and the way you feel and the way you react and see if that doesn't mirror in a way or explain a little about the behaviors that are happening with your child. Because one of some of the most light bulb moments for me have been when i'm at my most dysregulated and i'm starting to behave in a way where i'm getting you know paranoid or snarky or a little vindictive i'm not terribly vindictive of a person but there have been moments where where i'm like oh yeah well i'm going to move this and make them have a hard day like <laughs> that has crossed my mind it doesn't happen often but it definitely does and i can catch myself and say oh she must be feeling this type of mad in order to have that kind of reaction. And then I sometimes think to myself, what would get me out of this mood? And a lot of the times and I use my husband as a big example, because I value his relationship in a different way than I do, like a neighbor or even a a friend. So I will use my husband's relationship as an example. And and there have been times when I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad at him and he's not giving me the attention that I want or he didn't respond to something in a way that I wanted. And again, I don't think I do this terribly often. But when I hit those moments, I'm like, oh, I don't feel the love that would make me comforted right now. That would help me a lot. Maybe that's what she's feeling when she gets that way. And it's tricky because when you have a child with reactive attachment disorder, they don't even know how they want to be loved. They don't understand the concept. It's been presented to them never, or it's been presented to them in many, 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 many different ways. And it's confusing and overwhelming and it doesn't last and it's scary. But to to be able to take pieces and chunks from the difficult times in your life and compare them to the actions of your kids will be valuable, very, very valuable to you because you will find that some of these behaviors are kind of a natural progression of anger or of, um, I was going to say neglect, but what I really mean is when you're not getting the affection that you're kind of craving in the moment and and I think we can learn a lot from those situations. And maybe, just maybe, by being able to go into our feelings and our ability to understand a situation, maybe we'll be able to heal both of us, ourselves and them. I wish you all the best in this world. I hope that everything starts coming together for you. And know that I am on your side. And I thank you so much for joining. Have a great day.